Welcome to the 3D Podcast. Uh, it is a new season. Uh, me and J- me, Sean Coleman, and my co-host Justin Lewis, we are joining you here on Tuesday night. Obviously, the NBA is getting started, the Pelicans and the Raptors, the Lakers and the Clippers, um, but uh, we are excited about tomorrow and uh, just wanted to get out uh, a fun podcast to listen to for the opening day of the Grizzly season. Justin, how are you doing? It, it, it's been a little while since we talked to you. Been a little while. Been busy, um, but um, I'm glad to be back. I'm excited for tomorrow night. Um, watching the the game right now between the the Pelicans and the Raptors, and um, just glad that basketball's back. Agreed. If, uh, as most of y'all know, me and Justin are Braves fans, and our season came up a little bit short when it came to baseball. But hey, the bright side of that is now we get to completely focus on basketball since football is not working out for either one of us. But, hey, that's a story for another time. Um, We want to obviously, you know, just introduce ourselves again. Sean Coleman, Justin Lewis, y'all obviously listened to us a lot last year during the season as well as the summer. But this will be our uh, first full season, uh, being with the Grizzlies, um, you know, or or doing a Grizzlies podcast. Um, Eventually, we will uh, find ourselves as part of the Grizzly Bear Blues a podcast network looking forward to uh, joining talent such as Joe Molinax, Parker Fleming, Nate Chester, um, and their shows. Just for a little bit of background information, you can find us on Twitter. The show is at 3 and Pod. Justin is at J underscore Timberfake underscore. And I myself, Sean Coleman, am at StatsSAC. That's at S-T-A-T-S-S-A-C. Give us a follow for some great content. You can check me and Justin's uh, writings out over at Grizzly Bear Blues, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But got a full slate of stuff to talk about tonight. And just we want to talk about, uh, you know, starting off the roster itself, uh, just, uh, you know, some things that are currently going on with it. You know, where do we stand as far as the roster goes? And the first thing we'll get to is the trimming down of it. We saw uh, Miles Plumley and Ivan Rab uh, being cut, released, however you want to state it, um, you know, over the weekend. Your thoughts on that and what does it tell you about the intentions that Taylor Jenkins has with his roster? Uh, I think it was the obvious move. Um, I think that it was the right move. And it definitely goes to show that we're we're moving towards the small ball, uh, catching up with the rest of the NBA finally. Um, and it is, uh, I guess, a, maybe even a testament to uh, Bruno and his development um, and the fact that it looks like Brandon Clark and and uh, Jaron are going to run some time at the five um, because you don't get rid of two big men if you don't have the depth there, and um, they got rid of two big men. So we'll just have to see um, how they, they choose to roll with that. But I think it was the right moves. It would have been tough to cut anybody else. Um, and I think uh, Jenkins is, is getting what he wants out of this roster and, and not having something forced upon him which is a wonderful sight to see. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, it, it was the obvious moves because when you had Plumley and you had Rab, um, I think that those were the two players on the roster who were just most limited on what they can do. Um, and I agree with you. It's going towards small ball. Of course, as we mentioned, Jenkinson's from the Mike Budenholzer co- um, coaching tree. Budenholzer believes in bigs who can do more than just clog the lane. He wants you to be out and about, moving out on the perimeter on offense. He wants you to be able to do versatile things. I think it does show that we're going to, um, you know, utilize small ball lineups. You know, Clark at the five, 
Kaboko at the five. Hopefully Jonas when he gets healthy at the five. Um, as far as Plumley and Rab go, you know, as me and you have discussed, Plumley is is just a not a good basketball player. Um, I joke, well, my Coach K doesn't think that, but he's just not. And with Ivan Rab, you know, I mentioned on the show um, Sunday, I think Ivan Rab is someone that you know hopefully will find a roster that he can you know latch on to. I think he could be a good ten minute off the bench big in the league for a few years. Um, but you know, hopefully he finds something that that makes sense. But obviously, with those two being released, the other hope is that that means that Jonas Valanciunas is is close to returning. Uh, we're obviously, you know, slightly concerned about the foot injury. You know, not so much because of the injury itself, but because he's a big man. Your thoughts on the Jonas Valanciunas injury and, and how the Grizzlies should approach it? As far as I know, him sitting out in the preseason was a precaution um, because he is, you know, a big guy and all that weight being on that foot, you don't want to take a chance at, at making it worse. Um, I agree with you that it, it should say that they're not worried about it if they're going to get rid of Plumlee and Rab. Um, so I would I would say that he's going to be out there starting tomorrow night and be out there every night um, playing 30-ish minutes. And the thing that I'll say is, I said on the uh, the show Sunday, I, I it didn't appear to me that he would be playing, but he he did come out and say he is now. It seems so. So that's encouraging. You know, I, I find it you know more likely than not that that Jonas is going to make it through eighty two games this season. I definitely think that he is someone where load management would come into play. That's not necessarily a bad thing for the Grizzlies as as it will get more repetitions um, to younger players, but I do think that, you know, yes, if, if precaution was there, if we can get Yoni to Jonas, Yoni, if we can get Jonas to 65 to 70 games, that will definitely be, you know, an encouraging development for the Grizzlies. The roster itself, though, besides Jonas, it contains 15 players. 13 of them will be active. You know, I know D'Anthony Milton is someone who's kind of working his way back from injury as well. But we also have two interesting inactives, uh, one in Josh Jackson and one in, obviously, Andre Iguodala. Now, Andre Iguodala obviously is not with the team. You know, I, we're going to talk about over and unders, you know, a little bit later. But I'll start with Andre Iguodala. Justin, over, under, do you think Andre Iguodala plays more than a minute on the Grizzlies roster this year? And if he doesn't, how? when do you see there being a resolution to his situation? <laughs> he started off in a minute. Um, uh-huh. I, think it's an, I think it's an under. I think it's clear yeah. that both teams want to uh, go their separate ways. I think it's what's best um, for for everybody involved. Um, so I, I think that he is he is traded. But it, and it may be a case that he's still on the team when the, the season begins and then we hit the December 15th mark where new contracts are able to be traded. Um, and then – he's traded on December 15th while still never suiting up um, for the Grizzlies. So I I think he is definitely um, not even going to be given a jersey and uh, we'll be looking to move him. At this point, there's nothing to be gained from forcing him to do something that he doesn't want to do. I've always thought Andre Iguodala, uh, you know, definitely had, you know, a swagger to him, but he also seems like he, he's he, uh, he's a good teammate. You know, he he is a good veteran, uh, but he's just he's, he's not made a big deal out of things. He's made his intentions clear. The Grizzlies have, you know, tried to accommodate him, and I just think it makes sense. If he doesn't want to be here, then don't force him here. There's nothing to be gained from that. 
The more interesting inactive, though, is certainly Josh Jackson. Obviously, as reported yesterday, Justin, you came out and um, uh, reported it, that the Grizzlies have picked up the options for next year for Jaron Jackson Jr. and Grayson Allen. One person's option that they did not pick up is Josh Jackson's. However, there is an interest in working with Jackson to try to, you know, gain some value from him, get his career back on track. Starting off in South Haven, he is a part of the roster, but he's not going to be on the Grizzlies active roster to begin the season. How do you see this playing out to the to begin the season? And do you feel the Grizzlies are handling this the right way? Yeah, I think they're making it very clear um, that he's got to have the right attitude. He's got to come in um, and earn it. It's not going to be something that's handed to him. Um, they're saying they're by not cutting him. They're saying, "Hey, we know that you're talented. We know that you have potential. We believe in you, but you got to prove it for yourself." Um, and so I think if he has the right attitude, he won't be in South Haven long. Um, and he'll have every opportunity to, to have a major impact on the team and even possibly be a part of the future, even though they didn't, um, commit to him that fourth year on his contract. It's just, it's just Zach Kleiman having another just smart move where you're not committing to a guy that you don't know is going to be a part of your team just because of his legal issues or because of his uh, work ethic or attitude. But if he proves it, then obviously you're going to have the rights to him. And I believe he'd be a restricted free agent. So there you could, you know, control his free agency as well. And you'll have the cap space to give him the money if he comes out and, and lives up to his potential and works hard. So I think um, it's, it's nothing but promising for, for Josh as long as he wants it and goes after it. And the thing that I'll say is, is that, again, it's just a Grizzlies move where they are creating options for themselves. As you mentioned, um, you know, a, a big thing that this also does for Josh Jackson is it gives him motivation. Yeah, the Grizzlies are not handing him the money that, you know, a, a lot of people thought he would earn. They're not doing it. So he now has motivation to earn it back. Also, the Grizzlies are in a position to where it's been great that they have lucked into John Morant and Jaron Jackson. They, may, they got creative to get Brandon Clark. They need to go be able to find some players that they can extract value from to continue building this roster, developing good young players who may have been troubled in the past. And Grayson Allen and Josh Jackson are perfect examples of that. So my thought process is the kind of the same as yours. Every both the Grizzlies and Josh Jackson, they have a mutual motivation. The Grizzlies have one to get some value out of him, to create another part of the future if they can while Josh Jackson gets a second chance, an opportunity to make you know, his career get back on track. Hopefully he will, and hopefully we will see some development out of him without any of the issues that we've seen in the past. So, Justin, we know the roster that is in place, and it's it's exciting. You know, a lot of the preseason games um, that we saw, we saw some chemistry, we saw some development. Before we get into this first game of the season, I gave my, um, you know, takeaways from the preseason. I talked about, you know, our development on both ends of the court when it comes to the three ball. I talked a little bit about John Morant, talked about the two guard position. A couple of things you took away from the preseason, you know, uh, you know maybe a few things that excited you, a thing or two that, you know, concerned you. Um, the things that excited me were obviously uh, the up-tempo, uh, get out and run watch some jaw just lead the the fast break um something that surprised me was uh brandon clark and his ability to probably play three through five on the floor and to defend 
and to rebound. Uh, the the dude was a steal in the draft, and he only continued to prove that in the preseason, and he's going to have a larger role this um, this season than I, I guess I was expecting him to. I was also impressed with Grayson Allen. Um, I think he is maturing and can take a step forward this year uh, and be a major con- contributor to this team. Uh, disappointments, obviously, you know, within Ivan and his lack of development um, that led to him being cut. Uh, but outside of that, like, I, I wasn't disappointed in much, probably because I didn't have a lot of expectations knowing, you know, this season is what it is and these are young guys and we're and Jenkins is trying to figure out what's going to work and what's not. Um, so I, I think uh, the preseason didn't tell us everything because I think he was just really trying to figure out um, who can play and, and who's for real. But I think uh, the thing I'm most excited about is just watching these young, guy, young guys mesh and, and run up and down the floor. And that's the thing. I think you make an excellent point, probably a, a point that needs to be made time and time again. One that, you know, one Memphis Grizzlies fans just need to see on Twitter every Monday morning. The best way for you to be able to embrace the season is to just not have expectations. It's you're you're going to be disappointed if you base the season based off wins and losses. You're going to be disappointed if you expect for us to be in a playoff hunt. It's just not going to happen, and that's not insulting the Grizzlies. It's just a natural expectation. They are starting a rebuild, and while they have done everything right so far to this point, at the end of the day, you've got to be able to know that it's going to take time. And so, while wins and losses are the easiest way to see improvement. It's not going to be that simple. You're going to have to see players, you know, develop and and see, you know, what what can happen. So another thing that from the preseason, Justin, that that I wanted to focus on is we saw the excitement of Brandon of Clark, Morant, and Jackson Jr. We're going to see, you know, we're going to be talking about that throughout the season. But speaking of improvement, a couple of things that you know, when it comes to those three guys, we saw some great things from them. But you know, I think they also struggled. Just a, a couple areas of improvement um, that you feel those three, you know, folks should really focus on when it comes to those three as the season goes along. Uh, for Morant, I think it's going to be his um, his three point shooting. He's going to have to to be consistent with that. Um, with Clark, I want to see him. Uh, handle the ball and be able to guard wings and see how he can do that. Um, and we get, so that way we, we can play him as a three at times when we need him to. Um, and for Jaron, he's got to stay out of foul trouble. Um, he has sat out of two preseason games, and that is just not okay. It's not a good sign that he's learned from the offseason. Um, he, he's going to have to really, really focus on um, being in good position um, and, and doing what he's, what he needs to do, uh, to, to stay out of foul trouble and, um, continue his shooting too, because, um, he, while he may shoot threes, he needs to be more efficient than it looks like he may be. And the other thing that I'll say about that is this, is that I think efficiency is a big thing for, um, th- th- for these three, you know, there are three young players, and I wrote an article that that came out today. As a matter of fact, we, me, and you both wrote an article. You talked about some statistical goals, some statistical milestones, um, to look out for for this season. And I gave a gave an effort to kind of forecast John Morant's rookie season. But I mentioned in my article the point that you just made. 
The thing about this Grizzlies team, especially the young core, is you're going to see more quantity than quality to begin. Yeah, there may be exciting plays. Yes, because of their opportunities, there may be intriguing points totals or assist totals and things like that. But the underlying statistics are some things that I want to look for. And me and you will talk about that as the season goes along. But really wanting to see, while the quantity will be there because of the opportunities these guys get, really want to see the quality there as well. I mean, do you agree on that, Justin? Do you, while it will take time, do you think? Are, are you hoping um, and do you feel there's a good chance that we should see you know, the quality of play out of these three guys improve as we go each month to month? Definitely. Um, we can't we can't see the same young mistakes um, at the end of the season that we see at the beginning of the season. Yeah, there's going to be growing pains, um, but they, they will have to learn to become veterans um, quickly uh, because this is um, the future of the team. And if they want the window to be sooner, then they're going to have to step up sooner. So you want to see that they're learning and they're being taught. Um, and you'll see that by the quality, like you said. And that's the thing about it with the defense that Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. offer, plus the athleticism that they offer and the passing and vision ability of John Morant. That's the one thing to remember about these players. While their talent levels are so intriguing, they also do offer high floors. But I will say it's probably there's more chance of all. uh, I do feel like that at least one of the three are going to wind up having a disappointing season. That's just naturally how it happens. It's very rare in a rebuild where the three main guys of your future all significantly develop. You just don't see that quite often in the NBA. But even if one of them does disappoint or, or, or comes in at a lower level um, you know, by next summer than we expect for him to be, that doesn't mean that his career is you know, off to a bad start. It just means that it's taken him slower to develop. So that's the thing to remember. While there is the hope of prosperity, it's important to be patient um, as well. So starting tomorrow night off in Miami, Justin, you know, obviously the Heat are, you know, a lot of teams are picking, a lot of um, uh, experts and analysts are picking the Heat to be one of the surprise teams in the NBA. Uh, but the Grizzlies are going to Miami, one of the marquee um, uh, platforms in the NBA. Um, and that's where they're going to start their season on the road. Your thoughts on the starting lineup and, and kind of what you expect to see with uh, Taylor Jenkins rotations, you know, the first night out. Yeah, so I'm expecting, um, I mean, obviously we all know that it's going to be Jaw Jaron, um, and Jonas. Um, the debate has been over um, who's going to be at the two and the three. I think it makes sense to have Jay Crowder start at the three. Um, he He's a three and D guy. Uh, he's a vet. Um, he's, he's somebody that can go out there and, and kind of uh, just play hard and, and, and run with, uh, with y'all because Kyle Anderson is not fast enough to get out there and run. Kyle Anderson can't shoot the three very well. Uh, so Jay just uh, makes more sense at the three and at the two. Um, I think it's going to be Dylan Brooks. I think I prefer it to be um, Grayson Allen personally. And um, I, I just, I don't know. I guess I prefer Grayson because uh, he, he's a little bit more athletic and he uh, seems to be a better shooter, in my opinion, than Dylan. Dylan might be able to score in a little bit more ways, but also Dylan 
um, is our longest tenured grid. So maybe he deserves a nod on opening night to, to be the starter. I probably go to this comparison so much that it's a cliche, but when you're looking at Dylan Brooks and Grayson Allen, um, I think that their draft placements, you know, show what I'm about to say. Dylan Brooks has a bit higher floor, a bit more consistent. Grayson Allen has a higher ceiling. And I think the Grizzlies are looking at stability right now at that two position. So I think, yes, and for the reason that he's been a long-tenured Grizzly, I think it makes sense uh, for him to be at the two. I agree with you. I went Jonas, Jaron, Jay, Ja, and uh, um, uh, um, I wish they would go Josh so we could just have the all five Jays lineup, but Dylan as well. But the thing where I think that may even be more exciting than the starting lineup. So let, let me take this back. Nothing's going to be more exciting than John, Jaron, you know, in their first game together. But I think that the Grizzlies' second unit, which I think basically will be uh, Tyus, Grayson, um, uh, Bruno, Kyle, and Brandon Clark. I think that's a very intriguing second unit and one that could do, you know, a lot of damage, you know, early on uh, in, in this season and, and especially against the uh, the Heat's um, second unit. You know, I know that the Heat have some exciting players, Tyler Hero um, uh, amongst others, but I do think that that second unit for the Grizzlies, if they can get cohesive quickly, they can do some damage. Obviously, you're wanting to see Marco Goderich, you know, uh, mixed in there as well. Uh, but that second unit for the Grizzlies, I, I think, could make an impact. Justin, so we're thinking that that starting lineup is going to start the season off. Obviously, we're with the Heat tomorrow night in Miami, the Bulls, and then the Nets. And then, of course, you know, a week from tonight, we go to L.A. um, to face the Lakers. Thoughts on that first few games? And what do you feel is the most important thing for the Grizzlies to accomplish, you know, going through the first weekend of the season? Um, I think it's just, important for them to uh, establish some chemistry. I don't think W's are as important to start off. I think um, I think it's important for Jenkins to find rotations that work um, for players to, to step up and, and show that they deserve some minutes, somebody like Bruno. Um, and I think that's what this first weekend is going to be about is uh, figuring out who's, who's going to contribute this season and, and who's not. Um, and the W's will come later and maybe not be the focus early on. And the thing I'll say is this for me is I agree with you as well. I, I think there's just as much of a chance that we go 0-4 as it is that we go 1-3. But if we go game by game, what I want to see tomorrow night in Miami is I want to see our front court be the clearly more talented front court you know, in, on the floor. I don't think that we're going to beat Miami, especially at home in our first game, but I want to see that um, Jonas, Brandon Clark, and, and Jaron are better than the Heat's front court, who have solid players, but I don't think they have anywhere near the ceiling that our front court does. That's what I want to see. Friday night, I want to see a, in a very intriguing matchup, you know, with Lori Markinen and Wendell um, Carter and Kobe uh, White and, and, and Lori Markinen, all those different players um, I want to see our young core match up well with them. I want the reason that if we lose to the Bulls to be someone like a Zach Levine, who we just are not a porter, who we just don't have an answer for at this point in time. Um, and on Sunday, I want to see the Grizzlies play a close game against the Nets. I know that Kawhi, I think Kawhi has had a very you know successful history against us. I know he was a big reason last year. The Celtics had their big comeback. But I really, really do want to see, um, you know, Jaron have some success against Kawhi and 
also truly do feel that um, you know if we could find some way to to kind of limit the production of others, that that Nets game could be a, a game we could steal. I, I think our best chance of winning is against the Bulls, but I do think we could put up a good fight against the Nets. Speaking of this opening weekend and all that's going on, Justin, when you look at the Grizzlies, you know, schedule, you know, we, we talked about expectations, you know, going through, you know, through November 15th, up before Mike Conley comes back, you know, with the Jazz, do you feel like that we're going to see a lot of different rotations or do you think Taylor Jenkins may kind of try to be stable, kind of go with the same looks, the, the, the same pairings as lineups as we start off the season. Do you think it's going to be a mix and match, or do you think he's kind of got settled on his rotation schedule and may stick with it for a little bit? Um, I, I don't know. I think the smart thing to do would be to go with game flow and who's playing well and let guys prove that they belong. Um, obviously, as a coach, you, you want to um, – you know, you want to see how your rotations are going to go, you know, going forward. And you want to, you have a game plan in mind of how you think it's going to work and what's going to help the team best succeed. Um, but there are going to be nights where, um, you know, Brandon Clark's not playing well and you need Bruno because Bruno is playing well. And you just kind of, you spend that first couple of weeks just letting guys kind of fight for minutes. And uh, then you start settling into a rotation where everybody learns their role um, and, and get used to because the fact is this is a pretty much a brand new team, so it's going to take time for roles to come in, and uh, this, I think that's what you use this first few weeks for. And and I think that you make a good point is that, you know, listen, at the end of the day, the development of Clark Morant and Jackson Jr., that's going to be the biggest, um, you know, key to our future success. But you can't, you cannot forget about the other young players on the roster. Again, needing to develop those supporting players who eventually could become part of your core. Caboclo, Allen, Brooks, uh, you know, Tyus Jones, players such as that. All of their development is just as important. Uh, so I truly feel uh, that when it comes to, um, uh, you know, the development of those players, you need to put them in positions to succeed just as much as you do, you know, the, the young big three on the Grizzlies roster. So we've talked about the preseason, talked about the season itself, Justin. Now let's discuss, you know, have a little bit of fun. You know, me and you both put out articles today over at Grizzly Bear Blues where we threw out some numbers, some fun numbers. And I want to talk with you a little bit about your article. Now, um, when you were looking at the different stats that that, that you put out there and, and the ones that, that, you know, you think could become a reality at some point during the season, which statistical number that you put in your article was most ex- intriguing to you or you're most excited to see? I, I want to see Jaw um become the sixth player in NBA history to average twenty five and five as a rookie. Um I think the five rebounds will be tough for him. Um but I think the twenty and five is, is very possible. The five for sure, the five assists I don't think he's gonna struggle with at all. I think he has a chance to set the rookie record for um assists uh in the in the season. But I would say um that one or Jaw in his rookie year breaking the franchise record for assists in the season and he would only have to average uh like 8.2 assists per game if he played all 82 games to do that and i don't think that's out of the question you would put out there 25 and 5 um as 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 a goal as as, as an awesome stat line uh, for a rookie i put out 15.7 and a half assists for rebounds now yours is very aggressive 
However, mine, because of the assist, it also is a group of five. In mine, it was Oscar Robinson, Damon Stottlemyre, Chris Paul. Um, oh, who else was it? Um, John Wall. And I'll think of the other in just a second. But yes, I, I think that when it comes to John Morant, people need to come to the understanding that it's not because he is so good at his passing it's very likely that he is going to have a historic NBA season. And especially with John or with Zion Williamson now being out with an injury, he has the potential to where if his passing can be consistent and as at least as an as at an elite of a level as it can be from the beginning, he has a very good shot of winning rookie of the year, second in NBA or franchise history after Paul Gasol. But that's the thing that I think that it is that is going to help John Morant the most. When you look at his candidacy for Rookie of the Year, Justin, do you feel like that his ability to be an elite passer from the, the beginning is the most important um, weapon for him to use to get that? Or do you think something else is going to be the determining factor for him to claim that prize? Um, ask that again. I'm sidetracked. You're fine. You're fine. What I was asking was, was that with Zion now hurt, do you feel like that – Jaw's ability as an elite passer is going to be his best avenue to securing Rookie of the Year, or do you think it's another part of his game that he may have to get better at as the season goes along that's going to be his his biggest compliment towards winning Rookie of the Year? Uh, I think the passing for sure. Um, the ability for him to have a stat line that's going to have a high number of assists. Um, I think the one area that would hurt him would be his lack of efficiency in scoring. Um, and uh, I, I think the fact that he's going to be given the, a long leash and a, and a chance to learn uh, yeah. and, and not be taken off the floor for making mistakes will help him too because he's going to have the minutes, he's going to have the ball in his hand, and he's going to have every opportunity to, to run away with the award. And the other player who I wasn't thinking of was Ben Simmons, but that's the thing that I'm saying. You know, again, it's been done to where, you know, again, 15.7 and a half rebounds, you know, the guy, but four of the five guys that have done that um, have one rookie of the year, the year that they did it. And the only other guy that didn't do it was John Wall. And when Blake Griffin, you know, had one of the best rookie seasons in history uh, to, to win that award. But the thing that I'm getting at also is this, is that, you know, you're, you're talking about the scoring efficiency of John Morant. Yes, we do want for him to be successful, but when you look at his skill set, history has shown that it may be a struggle for him to uh, accomplish that goal. Three players that he's been compared to, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, and um, De'Aaron Fox. I looked at their rookies and I averaged out their um, you know, shooting percentages. Those three players averaged 40.6% from the field and 29.1% from three-pointers. Now, it's likely that Jaws probably going to have a higher field goal percentage because he he probably can get to the basket better than any of those guys did at this stage in their career. But what do you expect from Jaws' three-point ability? Kind of a percentage um, um, forecast that you can put on it. He struggled in the preseason, one of seven from three. Do you think that 30% is kind of a realistic range for his three-point shooting this year? Yeah, I think so. Um, he's young. He's He's a if if his best player comparison is Westbrook, then thirty percent is a good range because Westbrook's not a very good three point shooter, but he puts up MVP numbers. Um, so you don't have to be a stud three point shooter to 
to win awards or to be effective. Uh, but obviously with the history of the Memphis Grizzlies last shooting, that's something that you'd like him to develop. It's something I think he can um, develop, but I think for his first year in the league, um, 30% is pretty realistic. And again, it goes back to that discussion about quantity versus quality. I don't think that John Morant nor Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be an all-star level player this year. However, I do think that both of them could start to show flashes of becoming all-star level players um, as the season goes along. So, Justin, you know, as we wrap up this edition of the 3&D podcast, kind of want to go through the roster and just some fun over-under statistical accomplishments this season, looking at each player and just, you know, seeing what they could potentially accomplish. Before we do that, you threw out some statistics here that are quite interesting. So you stated that, you know, for John Morant to uh, set the record for highest number of assists um, in a um, in, in a season, uh, per game, it would be 8.4 assists. Do you truly feel that he would be able to accomplish that goal? Yes, I do. Um, I think there are um, more – there's probably more talent around Jaw this year than maybe Mike or Mark ever had um, as far as being able to score the ball because the, the teams in the past have been built around the defense, so um, they they weren't jacking up threes and, and doing all that. Uh, so I think it is realistic uh, to to think that uh, with guys like Crowder and uh, Gadurik and Jackson and Jonas and, and those guys um, out there that he could uh, put up 8.4 uh, assists per game. And um, it, it'd be close. It'd be hard as a rookie. But I do think with his court vision and with their, their focus to uh, – to, to run up and down the floor, I think it, it is definitely possible. All right. So let's let's take a look at some of these um, uh, opportunities here. So you also threw out the um, the idea of Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, we'll start with him. Jaron Jackson Jr. or Brandon Clark potentially becoming the all-time blocks leader for the Grizzlies. And with Jaron Jackson Jr. in mind here, my question to you is this. Do you feel Jaron Jackson Jr. can reach 1,500 points and 125 blocks this season. Yeah, I think it, well, it all depends on if he takes out of foul trouble. Um, if if he can't stay on the floor, then there's no possible way at all. Um, if if he cuts it down to two and a half, three fouls a game, then I think he reaches that um, with ease because he'll be one of the top options um, for this offense. And um, because he'll get time at the five, he will get opportunities um, for blocks and um, him guarding, you know, on the pick and rolls and the switches. Guys try to shoot over him. He's he's going to get the blocks. I think the blocks will be the easier one. Um, the points obviously depend on more time um, on the floor. So if he stays on the floor, yes, he reaches both. If he doesn't, then um, obviously he's not helping himself get to that point. In terms of Brandon Clark, obviously, you know, he's going to start off on the bench, but he hopefully will continue to play as the season goes along. Another uh, kind of stat line looking at it for him, a 1,000 points and 100 blocks for him in his rookie season. 1,000 points and how many blocks? 100. 100. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think that he's he's, he's going to get – uh, I bet he gets 
five to six points per game just in transition um, with ease, and then he'll get the offensive rebounds and putbacks. And um, he just he comes out of nowhere um, to block shots. And if we play him at the three, um, the the weak side blocks, I think will it will be where Clark is is the main beneficiary on that. So it will be close. I think he might be right at 100, 101, 102, but I think he can do it. When looking at Josh Jackson, we had talked about the fact that you didn't think that he would be in South Haven for too long. So looking at his potential involvement with the Grizzlies, Justin, do you think he plays over or under 1,000 minutes in Memphis this year? Hmm. I think he plays over. Um, I think he um, goes down to South Haven and he forces his way back up to Memphis. Um, and and I think maybe even by the end of the season, there's a chance he finds himself in the starting lineup. Um, so I, I think over a thousand is is what I would take with him. Looking at Ja Morant, you know I had thrown out some number stat lines in my article this this um, um, earlier today. You know you're look, you're looking at twenty five and five um, as being potentially realistic for him. So I think I know your answer to this question, but when it comes to Ja Morant. 1,200 points and 600 assists in his rookie year. 1,200 points and 600 assists. Yeah, I think that's, that's right at where, where he's going to be. Um, he, he can maybe do more points. It just depends on um, if, if the game plan is to, to feed somebody like Jonas early in the game or if he's just going to let it be wide open from the start. Um, I think he could do more than 1,200, but I think the assist is pretty right about where he would be, which is where he'd have to be uh, to break some records that, that I'm mentioning. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd take the, the over on both of those. I had mentioned 15 points per game and seven and a half assists if he were to play seven many games, you know, to get to the 1,200 and uh, 600, he basically would need to play about 75 games and get about 15 uh, points and eight assists a night. I think it's realistic. And and I don't think that people, you know, they expect that from him, but they don't realize how rare it is if he were to be able to do that and consistently do that, just how much of a, of a boon it would be towards the Grizzlies' chances. Looking at Jonas Valanciunas, I want to throw out this number, and I think that if he gets it, the Grizzlies are going to be doing better than most people expect this year. Jonas Valanciunas over or under Justin, 1,500 points and 750 rebounds. So 750 would put him at 10 a game if he plays 75. Yeah. I, I'll take the over on, on both. Um, just because it, there's a, a rebounding machine, um, He, he I, I, think, I think he could average um, and threaten Zebo's franchise record for rebounds per game in the season. I don't know if he'll do it um, because Debo was a, was a freak, and I just don't know how much um, Jonas is going to get at the five with um, the, the emphasis on speeding the game up. But I think rebound for sure over points, um, I think it's over two because I think that he could, he could be a 2010 guy um, this season. When it comes to Kyle Anderson, Justin, you know, obviously he is a guy whose outlook with the team has taken a step back due to injury and just now, you know, due to a different, you know, um, uh, um, regime being in place. 
Obviously, it looks like that they are going to start Jay Crowder. I'm still trying to figure out kind of how Kyle Anderson will fit. I, I find it hard to believe that that, that um, uh, Taylor Jenkins and the staff can't find a fit for him. But Kyle Anderson, 41 games started, over or under? Under. Uh, he just does not fit with the team. Um, like I said, I think Josh Jackson has, a, has an opportunity to come in and start. Um, I think here, here's a scenario that I see playing out. Um, we get to trade deadline time and there's some teams that had some injuries or something and somebody comes knocking for uh, Jay Crowder. And so around the trade deadline, we ship off Jay Crowder um, for some assets and it is then Josh Jackson that moves into the starting lineup. Um, and I wish that we would trade Kyle Anderson, uh, trade him to somebody like, uh, you know, the Clippers and get uh, like Landry Schmidt or somebody like that in return. But I just I, – honestly, the only way I see him starting even 20 games is if there's injury and we just have to put him there. That's fair enough. Um, and that was going to be my next question is um, of the Grizzlies um, that are on our current roster, over under three Grizzlies that are on our current roster – Traded by the trade deadline. Over under on three by the trade deadline. That that includes uh, Iguodala. Yep. Uh so and over. I'm gonna have to go under. Um, okay. I'd have to go if I saw anybody being traded at the deadline before the deadline. It's gonna be Iggy and Jay. Um, I think everybody else would be somebody that we kept unless we got some crazy offer um, for somebody like Valanciunas or Dylan Brooks or somebody like that. Like, I think Dylan Brooks is going to be viewed a little bit more expendable than um, last year. Um, So I'll take the under, but I wish you would have put it at like three and a half so I could take the under and and think that three was uh, the highest it would go. Well, you can always push, and and that's what I'm going and I'll to do. Push. I'm, I'll push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Me and you, me and you are on the same uh, on the uh, same uh, um, um, mindset here. I think that the Grizzlies are going to make another surprise move at some point in time, maybe early in the season when people aren't expecting it, and I think it's going to include Kyle Anderson and and or uh, Dylan Brooks. I think that they may send um, those guys over for a player that they want to take on, that they want as part of their future core, and, and include Dylan Brooks in that trade, or they may include Kyle Anderson in taking on a bad contract and draft assets, um, but you know, for next year's salary um, with all that salary cap space that's going to be there. But I do put it at three. I think Crowder and Iguodala are traded for assets, and then I think as part of an unexpected significant trade, you see Anderson and Dylan Brooks, you know, heading out. Speaking of, you know, the, the backcourt, Tyus Jones, at the end of this season, um, Justin, do you feel people will confidently be able to say Tyus Jones is the best backup point guard the Grizzlies have ever had? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be close. I know everybody loves uh, Benno, and I know Chalmers had a really good year um, that first year here, but uh, I think Tyus is going to be far and away um, a more consistent backup point guard, a more reliable backup point guard. Um, and I think that uh, it, it will be seen very early on, not so much that 
um, it would be the same as um, uh, his flipping, uh, Sherman Mack and how we were uh, so ready to hand him the title of um, best uh, backup point guard ever, and then he just fell off the cliff. So um, I think he will consistently be what we need this team to be um, and and be one of the better free agent signings that the Grizzlies have ever made. When it comes to Dylan Brooks and Grayson Allen, at the end of the day, who do you think plays more minutes and who do you think is the better score? Who do you think scores more points and who do you think plays more minutes by the end of the season between Brooks and Allen? More points and more minutes. Um, Allen, uh, partly because I don't think that Brooks is on the team the full season. Uh, I do think that he's going to be one of the guys that's traded. Um, and so by by default, it would be Grayson Allen. But even if – all right, so I'll even say if he's not um, traded, I still think it might be Allen because Allen's going to prove to be um, more of what Jenkins was looking for than, than maybe Dylan Brooks. When it comes to Bruno Caboclo, you know, you have been – you've talked about him as a as small ball five. We have talked about him potentially developing his game. I know that you have potentially looked at him being kind of like a Budenholzer used uh, Giannis uh, on defense when, when, when for the Grizzlies – for the uh, Bucks rotations. Bruno Caboclo, do we see him getting 15 to 20 minutes a game by the end of the season? Do we see at the end of the season that he's – played 15 to 20 minutes a game as a regular part of the rotation due to his defense? I hope so. Um, I think he's ready. Uh, I like he can he can spread the floor. Um, he can protect the rim. And, you know, Parker and I talked about Bruno and his role and, and how he's maybe built like Giannis. He's obviously not going to be the player like Giannis is, and we all know that. But he, he, he would have a similar role to with Brooke Lopez. Would have and Parker pointed that out when we you know were talking about it. Just protect the rim. I didn't know this, but Brook Lopez averaged over two block shots per game. Um, I didn't realize he was that good of a of a rim protector. And then just fire up three, and Bruno can do that, and he's shown that he's willing to do that. Just sit there and as soon as he, the ball touches his hand, let it fly. And that's what we need. And so I think 15 minutes per game is a good number for Bruno. And I wouldn't be surprised if he got that early. Um, just uh, just the way the rotations fall, the way that he plays, and the way maybe some of the other guys don't uh, fit what Jenkins is doing, aka Kyle Anderson. And I think that you know, I, I think that people will find this as an insult, but actually, it's not meant to be that. Last year, I feel like one of the best comparables for Jaron Jackson Jr.'s production last year when he played was similar to. Um, Brooke Lopez. Um, you know, Mark Gasol was very similar as well. But with uh, Jaron's lack of rebounding, his ability to block shots, his his uh, tendency to foul, and also his outside game, he was very similar to Brooke Lopez. Now, don't get me wrong. I think eventually um, Jaron Jackson will reach a ceiling that Brooke Lopez never sniffed. But that that type of play, if they can get that from Jaron Jackson Jr. again and can get any sort of remnants of that from Bruno Caboclo through J- Taylor Jenkins and his staff developing the younger players, I think that'd be a wonderful thing. You know, hey, we saw that last year the four centers, the four centers um, that since the 16-17 season that, had, that were top in the NBA for three-pointers, those four centers were in the final eight. 
So you have to have, you know, your centers. You have to have your five be able to shoot. And that's one thing that Kamboklo and Jackson Jr. can both do while also being able to defend. Finally, last but not least, Marco Gondurich. I think that he's the wild card on this team. Justin, at the end of the year, do you feel that Gondurich has hit 75 threes over under? 75? Yes. Yeah, I'll take the over on that. Um, I think he's probably our our best three-point shooter um, and probably not close. And I think that Jenkins is going to find a way to get him in the three and the stretch four um, pretty pretty early on. Uh, I like uh, Gajuric and his game, and I think 75 is, is extremely doable for him. And I agree. I think that, that, that when I say wild card, I think that Gadurich is, is is a name that a lot of people are familiar with, but has the best chance because of his three point shooting, because of strength of his, um, he has this. His main strength is the one clear weakness on this team. I think he's the guy that can see the biggest rise in his relevance in the to the Grizzlies roster and in the rotation. So I agree with you. I think he could push 100 threes, and I do feel like that he is our best three-point shooter, so it'll be interesting to see how he develops. Folks, we can't thank you enough for taking time to work to, to, to follow along with us tonight. Just a lot of information to discuss. We will be back with you. We'll probably do a show over the weekend and then obviously next Tuesday night. Um, you know, I, I know that me and Justin's schedules are, are, are something that are kind of hit and miss at times, but I will say that we will always make sure content is out there. And you never know who may be co-hosting if one of us can't make it, you know, on the show. But Justin, you know, as we wrap up tonight's show, anything else that you want to share, or just that you're looking forward to as far as the as far as the season goes and getting started? Nothing I want to share. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing the young guys play. Looking forward to seeing how Jenkins uh, coaches, and um, it's it's exciting to. It's weird to be excited about it, but I'm excited to to have a season where I'm not going to be let down because I don't have the expectations of us doing something. It's just a season where you get to truly get to sit back and enjoy and watch the team develop. Um, and I think um, that's going to make for an, an enjoyable uh, year of watching Memphis Grizzlies basketball. Yeah, at the end of the at the end of the year, it's very likely that this season will have a similar win loss record to the previous two season. But it is just so refreshing to know that the product that's on the court is going to be so much more fun to watch, and definitely something that I feel fans should cherish, even even if you know the the wins are are not there compared to other teams um, come April. For Justin Lewis, my name is Sean Coleman. Thank you so much for joining us in, uh, on the 3ND Podcast. We'll be talking to you here over the next few days, hopefully after a few Grizzlies wins. Go Grizzlies, and welcome back to the 2019-2020 NBA season. Have a great night, folks.